differential diagnoses you take a whole history i recommend a, a, a physical exam i don't do it myself obviously yeah. and um and 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 then from there you you go to the dsm you go to the icd and and you look at their signs you look at their symptoms and you diagnose them and um and it and it is mostly self-reported so sometimes you can get a release of information and you can gather information from family members. For someone that has a severe and persistent mental illness, that, that happened often. Uh, a family member would come in with them and they would assist with reporting the, the symptoms that that person had had and their history because with something like schizophrenia, um, they're, they're not great at being self-reporters, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes. Um, those are those are complicated diagnoses to make. Uh, I, the most famous diagnosis for me that I could not pinpoint, and this is one that I've joked with you a lot about, uh, which is not funny at all, and I apologize for making these jokes about you um, because of your syphilis diagnosis, the, syphil the syphilitic dementia. <laughs> but but there yeah. was there was a client that came in, and I went through all the diagnostic yeah. criteria. I, I did the normal thing that I, that I did with uh, diagnostic assessments yeah. and I could not put my finger on what the hell was going on. And yeah. I looked through the history then yeah. and uh, guess what? It was a uh, syphilitic dementia, in fact. And it, it, that was such a specific kind of diagnosis yeah. that I had never seen um, the, the symptoms, the, yeah. I'd never seen it before. And it was different than schizophrenia. It was different than any other kind of psychotic disorder. Yeah. So very interesting. And when I say interesting, syphilis, it was Syphilis, a lot of people don't realize this, that syphilis, if it goes untreated, can be incredibly destructive to the human body and, oh, yeah. and mind. The nervous system. Yeah. It can get, like, paralyzed-ish. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so. So get your get yourself checked for sexually transmitted infections. Is that what we're calling them now? STIs instead of STDs. Well, there's a difference between STIs. Oh, what's the difference STDs. between STIs and STDs? Uh, so sexually transmitted infections mm -hmm. versus sexually transmitted diseases. Uh, there is a difference. I think infections can be uh, uh, treated much more easily um, and are, uh, I think, more cute. Whereas sexually yeah. transmitted diseases. Don't necessarily have a cure, and, and I don't think and, any disease is cute. No infection. I'm just kidding. Yeah. No, cute, no, no, no. I'm saying. Cute. Oh, yeah. got it. Uh, <laughs> very funny. <laughs> Go blank yourself, Fox. Uh, no, but STIs are, are more cute, whereas STDs are are are, yeah. are uh, uh, chronic, chronic or longer lasting. Ah, I see. So think of like gonorrhea or um, yeah. um, HIV. Uh, no, no, no. Gonorrhea is an STI. Mm. Uh, Oh, treatable. I uh, see what you're yeah, saying. And, yeah, and and kind of more more cute, right? Uh, yeah. Um, uh, what's it, what's the other one? I should know. I've had them all. Um, <laughs> um, uh, gonorrhea 
and the other one. There's another one. Herpes? No, no. It's, well, herpes is chronic. Yeah, that There's no cure it for herpes. It doesn't go away, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, herpes is the gift that keeps on giving. How did we go down this road? I don't know. Well, so anyway. Uh, oh, syphilitic dementia. Yeah, so, so you cannot um, take an x-ray of someone in, in the office in a community mental health center and say, oh, you've got bipolar disorder. No, you have to go through their, yeah. their daily lives with them, yeah. you know, in, in a two to three hour long setting Yeah, and, uh, and go through, you know, what is, you know, and again, all self-report unless you have a family member, unless they have already a record that you can access. Yeah. Um, unless they have a doctor that has referred them and they're giving you specific information. Um, so it's actually not that difficult to diagnose someone that is coming in and self-reporting um, most of the time, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but you're right. There's no way to, to yeah, I've lost my train of thought. Yeah, I'm just I, I'm remin- I'm like reflecting back on my it's time interesting. diagnosing. You're, you're, you sound like the one who's drunk. Well, I, I just yeah. start thinking about all the people that I've done assessments with, and I just get lost in the in thought because it it is. Uh, I did it for years, every, every day yeah. for multiple times a day. People would come into my office, and I would yeah. and I would diagnose them. Yeah, and uh, there came a point where I they didn't have to say much in order for me to know what was going on. You know, yeah. this one guy and we, we got a lot of uh, returning citizens, people that were ordered by the court to come in and get mental health treatment. Yeah. So they would come in, uh, they were following orders and some of them were not very cooperative. They didn't really want to talk about things. And yeah. there was this one young man, I remember um, that uh, barely talked to me and I was able to go through the list of symptoms yeah. Um, and I, and I, and I was like, well, this is what's going on with you. This is what's going on with you. And he said, how do you know that? And I was yeah. like, I can see it on your body. I, it's like written all over you. You yeah. have trauma. Yeah. You have PTSD, my friend. And he's like, I do. And I was like, tell me that what I'm saying is in fact, what you're experiencing on a daily basis. And yeah. he said, that is what I'm experiencing on a daily basis. I said, yeah. okay. He said, how do you know that? And I said, again, because of, well, first of all, your history. Mm-hmm. I know that you've been in prison. Um, of Anybody in prison uh, is, is very vulnerable to getting PTSD. The events leading up to going to prison, the events that occur in prison, the events that occur uh, following getting out of prison, yeah. it's all very traumatic, yeah. number one. Number two, uh, just the way that he um, presented himself. You know, it, it was pretty easy to, to discern. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, so I, I, it just, I think of all the hours I've spent talking with people about their mental health and, yeah. and all the different ways that, that their mental uh, health issues present themselves. And I'm so thankful that I've been, uh, that I've been able to help people organize yeah. their thinking around what they're experiencing. Yeah. It If you don't get mental health treatment for some of these mm-hmm. mental health disorders, mm-hmm. um, it is, it, it can be really detrimental yeah. um, because you figure out ways to cope with it um, that uh, may or may not be good for you. Right. Yeah. Uh, and oftentimes are not good for you. 
Uh, my daughter and I were talking about that today, actually. Maladaptive coping mechanisms. Maladaptive coping versus mechanisms. Versus adaptive coping mechanisms. And the maladaptive part. Um, is whiskey for, a maladaptive coping mechanism or an adaptive coping mechanism? I mean, I it guess depends. It, I, I guess it all depends on the amount. It depends. I was talking to my and daughter. And the degree about, to which yeah, you employ it as the a. The degree to, yes. Yeah. Well, so we were talking about, um, uh, you know, pot smoking. Um, because that's, you know, well, we saw some kids smoking weed out in front of Chick-fil-A the other morning. I was telling mm-hmm. you about that mm-hmm. anyway. Um, and she was like, why do people do that? Why? Are, and I was like, well, I understand why they do that. I've done it. You know, mm-hmm. I did it when I was younger. Uh, not that much. Yeah. Uh, after a certain age, I just stopped everything. It was yeah. like, I'm not interested in that, thankfully. Uh, but it could have gone down a very bad road, right? Because yeah. I was experiencing difficulty in my life. I could have used uh, this, and this is oftentimes what people do. They use alcohol, and they use heroin, and they use meth, and they use sex, and they use all different sorts of things in order to produce a, a, a good feelings in their brain because mm-hmm. they're so unhappy, because they're so traumatized, because they are experiencing uh, bad feelings, right? So of course you're going to go to things that comfort you. Yeah. Um, so so untreated um, mental health disorders uh, can, yeah, bad things can happen. Yeah. Uh, so so would you would you recommend to that people who are would you recommend to people who are um, experiencing um, mental health symptoms? to go get assessed yeah even before they seek out therapy or as a part of therapy mm. any good therapist will uh will do because I've, I've treated plenty of clients who have um i i've treated plenty of uh, clients who have reported symptoms of depression anxiety mm-hmm. um, even psychosis um without them ever having been formally diagnosed. Right. So I, I don't think it's necess- it's not necessary to be rendered a formal diagnosis in order to seek out mental health treatment. Absolutely not. But back to my, but that's with that said, my question to you is, do you feel, would you recommend, uh, do you feel like it's important for people who are seeking out mental health treatment to, to be diagnosed? Well, you would you recommend that your clients, if they feel like they are struggling with a uh, a mental disorder, to be formally assessed and diagnosed? Is there a benefit to it? Well, that's what we do, right? Yeah. To a degree, um, we don't do it in in as formal a way as as we used to mm-hmm. with those long uh, intake assessments, right? Yeah. But what I'm saying is, um, it's not necessary to no, be diagnosed it, in order to receive mental health treatment. It is 100% not necessary. Do you as a professional recommend, in your professional opinion, do you believe it is important to be diagnosed? It, it depends on the symptoms. Yeah. depends on the severity. Yeah. depends on... Here's the, the number one thing uh, that is... Important. So I come to you, I'm your client. On. The I'm number stro- one thing that is important in diagnosing. Yeah. I don't know the number one thing. I'm being dramatic. But uh, is it impairing your functioning? Um, in order for any mental health diagnosis to be uh, given to someone, the criteria has to be met that it is impairing your functioning in some way, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it really depends on severity. 
Um, I, it doesn't hurt. I don't think it's a hundred percent necessary. No, mm-hmm. I've been to counseling where no diagnosis was given. Mm-hmm. I, I don't always see the benefit in getting a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there is stigma attached to diagnosing. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that, Oh, so the downside of diagnosing. Yeah. That right? goes back to my question from earlier in the right. session is, is there a downside, there is a downside. to being diagnosed? And if There's so, what is so, so there's an if, if so, what is it? And that, that's where I was kind of going with my question yeah. to you about, would you recommend that your clients seek out a formal diagnosis? It's not necessary to be diagnosed in order to receive therapy or, or, or to better understand uh, what you're struggling with, with your mental health symptoms. Um, so what are your thoughts on, on the rendering of a diagnosis? When is it necessary? And is there a downside? Is there a time in which, are there situations in which it's better not to have a diagnosis on file? Yeah, there, there are a lot of downsides to diagnosing. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm glad you're finally answering my question after 45 minutes. So. Well, you don't shut up, number well, one. Yeah. So that's like, that's like that's one That's part issue. of the obstacle. <laughs> as that's we one obstacle. In this circular narrative, but... <laughs> And the other one is that I'm kind of tangential. So whatever. (laughs) So, but we'll get there eventually. So what are the downsides? Uh, So epidemiology, that's an upside of diagnosing, right? Is that you can kind of figure out where clusters of things are happening. You can normalize it. Mm -hmm. Some downsides, Mm -hmm. I think, for some clients might be um, that they oversimplify their mental health Mm -hmm. by glomming onto a diagnosis given to them and putting everything that they experience as a human under the umbrella of that diagnosis. And it becomes a disability um, in a way that it may not have been. Yeah. Right. So not that people are using it, uh, their diagnoses that I'm, I'm not saying that. What am I saying? I'm saying that, um, there's a show called Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Have you seen that? No, but I've had a few. <laughs> it's really quite funny. It's yeah. uh, this musical kind of weird mm. show. And yeah. uh, the main character gets a mental health diagnosis. Uh, okay. She gets a new mental health diagnosis. And there's this whole musical number mm-hmm. about um, uh, her diagnosis. She's like, I've got a diagnosis. She's like so happy to get a diagnosis because yeah. guess what? If you get a diagnosis then life becomes so much easier. It's like everything that I do falls under the heading of this diagnosis. She gets borderline personality diagnosed. Um, And so is the, I I think it's, it's absolutely not that simple. Mm -hmm. Um, So that downside might be that it oversimplifies things um, for some people. And they then, kind of miss out on the intricacies of their human condition and maybe don't actually advance beyond the diagnosis given to them. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, anxiety. I tell people that have anxiety, every human being I know that I've ever spoken with has Mm. anxiety in some way or another. Let's normalize the fact that we all have anxiety. Well, anxiety. It's how we manage it. Well, anxiety up to a point, to a degree, is a healthy, naturally occurring uh, psychological response to stressors in our environment. Of course. It's it's, it's the human fight or flight response, right? It's built into our brains, right? It's an evolutionary mechanism, right, that allows us to 
run faster, fight harder, right? Mm-hmm. Or concentrate more in order to get something done so we can survive or succeed. Yeah, right? it's actually a necessary component. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I always tell my clients that anxiety is a naturally occurring response to, a, to stressors in our environment. It's it's a healthy response. And, and necessary enough um, to learn. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's, it's anxiety is a naturally occurring and healthy response to stressors in our environment. And it's we need it in order to get things done. And in 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 uh, prehistoric man needed the fight or flight response to survive. Well, yeah. We still do to some degree, uh, but in modern society, uh, when we experience anxiety, it's typically due to stressors in our environment, right? And it allows us to focus more, concentrate more, work harder to get things done, right? So anxiety, up to a point, is a healthy, naturally occurring response to psychological response to stressors in our environment. It becomes unhealthy. When it go, when it elev, when your when your level of anxiety elevates beyond your threshold, and your threshold that threshold varies from person to person, and whereas anxiety up to a point where when it's in a healthy range can help you to concentrate more, focus harder, work harder to get something done, when it elevates beyond your threshold, it then starts to have the opposite impact. Yeah, right. You it, get can, paralyzed. It, it can paralyze you. It can prevent you from being able to focus and concentrate, and uh, it can impact uh, uh, memory retention. Mm-hmm. It can impact your ability to focus and think and be productive. Um, uh, so, so yes, yeah, so anxiety itself is, is is kind of commonly as a, as a mental health struggle is commonly misunderstood. Again, it's it's a naturally occurring psychological response to stressors in our environment, and up to a certain point, it's incredibly healthy. When it goes beyond the, your personal threshold, it can then start to work against you. I, right? I think, yeah. So, so anxiety in and of itself is not a bad thing. Right. It's not a mental health condition. That's my point. Yeah. Uh, and it is a diagnosis. And if the diagnosis is given, um, I think it can sometimes exacerbate. Yeah. Um, I, I think sometimes diagnosing people can exacerbate the the thing that is existing already because they yeah. they're like well I have this disease and it's it's not like diabetes you know uh, mm-hmm. I mean in some ways depression or anxiety is like diabetes um, but it is also can be managed differently yeah. than diabetes. Yeah. I don't know if I'm making much sense, but I, I just, I lost you about 20 minutes ago, but, yeah. uh, but uh, I was one thing I was always also going to, I'm just kidding. I understand what <laughs> you're saying. Um, but one thing I was going to, you were talking about the downside uh, of, of diagnosing. I was going to uh, uh, add in that um, uh, maybe one of the downsides is, is that uh, the diagnostic criteria for uh, diagnosing mental disorders oftentimes ignores environmental um, factors, environmental stressors, environmental criteria. Well, so yeah, that's interesting. I, uh, I think it's taken into account when we're doing a, a, a diagnostic assessment, right? We yeah. talk about the, the environment that they grew up, you know, family of origin issues, talk about their current living situation. Well, the DSM focuses on symptoms, not necessarily where the symptoms come from. So whether they're, whether the symptoms stem uh, from, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay, so, okay. so, so in other words, whether the symptoms uh, kind of are naturally occurring, they're innate, they come from within, or they're being caused by environment. Um, the diagnosis itself and the diagnostic criteria um, just focus 
on the, the individual. Well, uh, yeah. they, they, they focus on what the individual's experiencing, and not that, necessarily where it comes from. You are 100% correct. And here's where... Well, this is why I'm the genius of the two of us. But, uh, yes, yeah. okay. indeed. Um, okay. The... That is exactly what happened with children that I worked with. Yeah. So I worked with children a long yeah. time ago when I was, uh, before I was a mom and then right at the beginning of being a mom. And then I quit and I said, I cannot work with children anymore yeah. uh, at that age, that very young age. Yeah. And here's why is because a lot of the children that I was working with, what are you looking at? No. Just, oh, okay. Yeah. So a lot of the children I was working with um, were in environments that were, pretty horrible yeah. and yet they were the identified patient right yeah. so excuse me the symptoms that they were having mm. were nine times out of ten caused by their environment mm. you know yeah. i had one kid that i worked with um that i um he, uh yeah obviously i can't talk about details but let mm. me just say this i we don't I, want you violating any hipaa regulations <laughs> right this is a long time ago, and I'll be very vague, um, that I went in as a counselor, and, and I was an in-home therapist mm -hmm. with, uh, with children in their homes, okay? Mm -hmm. And so I would go into a situation, and I would affect the situation mm -hmm. uh, through therapeutic interventions. And some of those therapeutic interventions would involve going into the community, you know, and getting them involved in community activities and, and encouraging the parents or the grandparents or the caregivers to, uh, to, to, to continue that. Well, I had situations where I implemented mm -hmm. all these things in these children's lives mm -hmm. and then they would graduate from the intense in-home therapy that they yeah. had, which was three times a week. Yeah. They would graduate from that and be demoted. I saw it as demoted as like graduating or demoted, but yeah. like to two times a week and then to like one time a week. Right. Well, inevitably over and over again, what did I see? I saw that they went back to the old patterns and then guess what? The behavior returned. Yeah. Um, they would they would thrive when uh, when I would go in. Mm -hmm. I would help to implement some change, get them involved in things. Their behaviors changed. They started doing better at school. Mm -hmm. um, they maybe they weren't hitting their sibling. Maybe they weren't running out into traffic. Whatever the behavior was, mm -hmm. and then you take away the services. You know, I didn't go to the home as often. Maybe mm -hmm. they graduate entirely, and guess what? They show back up because their environment didn't change. Yeah. So is it a mental health diagnosis or is it like a community diagnosis? Right. Um, so is, is that kind of what you're getting at? Well, I, I would argue that it's, it, I would, I would argue that it's, it's a mental health diagnosis that uh, is being caused by environmental. Stress, exactly. So it's like right? an adjustment disorder or, you know, like, but then the question becomes, I guess, how, how is, how do you treat that, that, that mental health uh, disorder, right? If it's being caused almost entirely by the environment. Yeah. Right. Um, again, diagnoses only tell us, a diagnosis only tells us what the person is uh, uh, struggling with based on uh, the symptoms they're exhibiting or self-reporting. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and then, of course, uh, treatment modalities are recommended. Treatment options are recommended based on uh, uh, what the research is telling us about best practices for treating that particular uh, me mental illness. But perhaps 
sometimes the uh, diagnostic criteria for certain me mental illnesses ignore the environmental factors, the, um, the environmental stressors that are contributing uh, to, to the mental illness and contributing to the person's inability to overcome or more effectively manage the mental illness. So what I hear in that uh, is uh, that it is subjective, right? To some degree. Um, to yeah. some degree, this is subjective. And uh, how do, yeah, okay. So in counseling and psychology, we generally talk about happiness as subjective well-being. Yeah. Okay, so this is, this is a good road to go down. Because if we're talking about trying to diagnose someone and they are self-reporting their yeah. symptoms, um, and they have a, a vision of what happiness quote unquote should be yeah. versus what reality is. Um, it, it is very subjective. What, what should one feel? How should one feel in life? We were talking about this uh, earlier a little bit. Um, people's expectations of life are, are sometimes very unrealistic. And part of our jobs as counselors is to talk to people about reframing some of the ways that they think about their daily lives, right? Mm -hmm. Are you seeking happiness or are you seeking peace? Because yeah. seeking happiness may not be the best route. Um, if you're severely depressed, obviously we treat severe depression and try to get you to feel better. Um, but to think that you are going to feel good all the time is unrealistic. So do you have depression or do you have unrealistic expectations? Yeah, interesting. You know, so subjective well-being. I mean, my happiness maybe is not your happiness. How do you define happiness? How do you define well-being? Uh, we've talked about this before. How do you define mental health? Is it uh, who's mentally ill exactly, right? So again, the major thing would be impairment and function. But again, that's self-reported primarily. So if you're reporting that your functioning is impaired, yeah. um, but if you were to take a, a sort of a little a lens into their lives, unbeknownst to them, they're self-reporting that they can't do this thing, but then yeah. you see them running a marathon yeah. and you're like, wait a minute. Oh, actually this happened recently. This happened yeah. recently where someone was like, you know, I just feel like such a slob. I don't get to the gym. I don't, you know, I, I don't know why I'm so unmotivated. Um, and then like literally two sentences later, they're like training for a marathon. They're like, but I'm training for this marathon. I was like, what the fuck? I said, hold on, hold the phone. You're telling me, oh my God, I'm so unmotivated. I have no discipline. I can't get to the gym on one hand. And on the other hand, I hear you saying you're training for a marathon that you're going to run in October. I said, there's a little bit of a discrepancy there in, in your perspective. Like I, that doesn't make sense to me. I was very blunt. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. You have to be very disciplined to run a marathon. You sound very motivated. Yeah. And then I was like, finally, I'm like, are you eating enough food? Like, maybe that's it. Maybe yeah. you're just tired because running takes a lot of energy. You know, yeah. I mean, it could be anyway. So you get my point. Yeah. So someone's self-reporting that they are suffering in this way, but yeah. then objectively from the outside, you're looking in and you're like, uh, I don't know though. No. Let's reframe that a little bit. So God, what is the, the point of all of this is that it's 
diagnosing is not as as easy as one might think. It's and also not an exact science. Of it is not field. an exact science. We are not sending clients to get fMRIs. We are not sending them to get brain scans uh, unless, of course, they're exhibiting symptoms of something else. Um, we're n- we're not we're not doing that. So it's it's not an exact science. It is a very it's a it is a very interesting endeavor to try to help. It, it's people. not an exact science in part because the the field of mental health, particularly. Uh, diagnostic, right? The system of, of, of diagnosing mental illnesses and treating them is far behind, decades, if not centuries behind, uh, where we are with uh, diagnosing and treating physical illnesses. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so that's a big part of the reason why uh, uh, it's, it's, it's an inexact science. Um, you know, it wasn't until the last century or so that uh, our society really started to uh, de- you know, focus more uh, on mental health uh, mm-hmm. uh, and develop kind of a more comprehensive body of knowledge for understanding mental disorders and treating them. So that's, right? that's the benefit of the ICD. That's the benefit of the DSM. It's a work, yes, correct. It's a work in progress, yeah. right? I mean, and it's reflective. I, I, I think uh, the di- our system of diagnosing mental illnesses uh, and the limitations of the treatment modalities that exist uh, right now to treat mental illnesses. Um, they're reflective of where we as a society are um, uh, with understanding mental illness um, uh, in, in general, right? We're, we're just, we're kind of in the stone ages. Yeah. Truth be told, I mean, we're not, we're not in advance when it comes to understanding and treating mental illnesses. We're not really um, in an advanced place. Mm-mm. We're still in a very, we're, we're still kind of in the dark ages or the stone ages where we're just really starting to understand this aspect of the human mind, why mental illnesses uh, occur, where they come from, how they manifest uh, in, 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 in behaviors um, uh, and physical ailments and illnesses and, and dysfunctionality and treatments, right? <laughs> Uh, we're all, and we're, we're even farther behind in treatments. I think yeah. we're farther ahead in understanding where the mental illnesses come from, how they manifest, um, than we are uh, with with treating them. Right? Yeah, yeah. We're, when we're, it comes to treating them, we're we're way behind. Yeah, there's so many good interventions, but if you ask any mental health professional, what can I do about my depression or my schizophrenia or my bipolar disorder, they're going to tell you medication, therapy. Uh, mm-hmm. having a robust, comprehensive support system and, uh, you know, uh, developing effective coping strategies, right? Because that's what all the best practice research says. The most effective way to manage a severe and persistent mental illness is a combination of therapy, medication, you know. Uh, uh, Selling your house and moving to Florida. Well, you know, that's all, <laughs> that's really all we have. And, and, and people are frustrated by that, right? People who suffer from these very severe and persistent mental illnesses are frustrated that, there aren't more advanced or sophisticated treatment modalities or more effective treatment modalities for, for helping them to manage these mental illnesses. Of course, there's no cure for most of them, but even when it comes to effectively managing these mental illnesses, we don't really have a sort of foolproof you know, uh, uh, a plan. There's no pill. Uh, there's no magical pill. There's, you know, uh, uh, you know, there's no real solution or cure. Therapy helps. Medication can help um, in conjunction with each other. They, they, they help a lot more 
Um, but there's no cure and there's no way to tell just how effective even using these treatment modalities in conjunction with each other will we'll go uh, uh, with to, there, there's no telling um, how far and how effective, um, not how far, but there's no telling how effective these treatment modalities will be individual, individually and in conjunction with each other yeah. in helping one to manage their mental illness. It, it, there's a lot of trial and error involved. It's pretty complex. And it's frustrating yeah. and it's scary for people. And I think it's disconcerting and it's, you know, for, for lack of a better term, depressing. Yeah. Right. So we'll continue this conversation some other time because we're out of time. But right. um, but I, I well, that's depressing too. <laughs> just kidding. No, it's just it's like the in uh, Mary Poppins when they they're on the ceiling laughing. No, I'm getting weird now. Um, yeah. No, anyway, um, it's sad yeah. and and we're coming down from the ceiling. We've stopped laughing and we're sinking down and now we have to. Well, I, I think because at the, at, at the end of this at the end of this episode <laughs> like at the end of this discussion, was- we're reminded. We're reminded through having this discussion during today's tonight's podcast episode that there the limitations to uh, understanding and treating mental illness are very very limited even in 2022. They are, and that's discon- you know, that's do, disconcerting. Do you, do you know why? No. You know why? I think we explained it. Well, I, let me just mm-hmm. sort of summarize mm-hmm. a, a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, it being a human is really complicated and being a human is really Mm. horrible sometimes and there is no cure for the human condition um at the end of all of this we're all going to die and there's no getting around it and i i've talked with a lot of people about that very thing and i've listened to a lot of people cry uh about um that thing and their Mm. their loved ones dying and and there, there's no cure for for just being a human. Yeah. And there are ways we can manage the depressive symptoms we get. There are ways we can manage the anxiety that that occurs. There are I know ways how we, I manage mine. Yeah, as you pour another whiskey. Mm-hmm. There, 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 there are ways that the we can. The human condition requires an anesthetic. It 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 it, it requires. Food, sex, yeah, whiskey. It requires a lot of mental gymnastics to get maybe all the at the same time. Sometimes. <laughs> on that note, <laughs> on yeah. that note. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to yeah. tonight's uh, episode of uh, Compass Rogue. That concludes uh, episode four, diagnosis. Uh, we certainly hope that we have taught you something tonight. That you've by listening, you've learned something about. Uh, uh, the diagnosing process uh, for mental disorders. Um, we'll talk more about it for yeah, sure. Yeah. I, I, again, like as this evolves, I, I think we'll, uh, you know, it, we say this is the episode about diagnosis. No, we're going to go on and on well, about diagnosis. This will be a common theme. This will be a common uh, theme. Yeah. Something we discuss yeah. uh, as we uh, as we move forward uh, and record. Uh, subsequent episodes, of course, but yeah. uh, but hopefully this served as kind of a, a starting point or a platform for better understanding um, uh, the diagnose the diagnosing process in the field of mental health, what it means, what the pros and cons are, what the purpose of diagnosis uh, uh, is, um, and maybe one day Alex and I will. Uh, learn a little bit more about what our respective diagnoses are. <laughs> um, I mentioned mine. What mine 
earlier. Uh, earlier, I mentioned what mine might be. Alex, any thoughts about? Oh, you mentioned uh, histrionic personality disorder, no, antisocial. You, you mentioned. I diagnosed me. you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't actually have a personality disorder. Uh, I think that sometimes, uh, my, my friend Keitha, hi Keitha, if you're listening, my friend Keitha and I, at the beginning of the pandemic, we're each experiencing our own little traumas yeah. independent of the pandemic and yeah. we're diagnosing ourselves and <laughs> talking about the various symptoms we were having. And, mm-hmm. um, I think we came up with adjustment disorder with like, uh, yeah. mixed, uh, anyway, it, it, um, I don't have a personality disorder. Diagnosing is so interesting because someone can exhibit signs of having a different disorder while not having it be the exact disorder. I have definitely acted like yeah. I have a borderline personality disorder at times during the last... I witnessed it, ladies and yeah, gentlemen. Yeah, during the last, like, three years because of the things that I've been going through in my personal life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and in fact, uh, it, it falls under the category of trauma yeah. so yeah. ptsd that is my major diagnosis maybe that'll be the topic of our uh, next podcast episode trauma uh, yes yeah. you know we could go i i could go on and on and on yeah. about trauma because i have experienced that'll it. be a seven part episode ladies and gentlemen. what have i not experienced that yeah. is my question yeah. what you know that's a that's another discussion for I've another never, episode i've never actually heard voices yeah never actually seen anything that wasn't there give it time <laughs> There's always time. There's always time. Anyway. Okay. All right. Bye. Have a good night, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Though the streets are deserted, these ghosts remain.